Hey guys, this is Alex, and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio. So, thanks everybody for listening to the last episode on Black Lagoon. I had a lot of fun recording that. That is actually one of my favorite series of all time, so I'm happy that I could get that out there for everybody to see, and I... Every time I've watched that, I slowly get sucked in. And it takes a lot of personal resistance to be like, no, after episode 7, I'm out. And I watched episode 7, I watched up to episode 7, however, for talking about it, because I thought that was an important, like, point in the anime. And in that anime, this kind of, everything before episode 7 and everything after. It's a weird, like, hard tone change for the two characters. I talked about it in the episode. If you want to go check it out, it's the previous thing in this podcast feed. So definitely go check that out if you're interested. But today will probably be a little bit of a shorter episode, mostly because I don't have a lot of time to record this because I totally forgot about the thing I'm talking about, which we'll get to in a second, um, because I rented it on Amazon, and then I did, and I was very thoughtful of myself, and thought, maybe I'll talk about this for a podcast, and then this thing popped into my head of me doing, uh, what's it called, um, Black Lagoon, and, like, it totally floated out of my head, but I'm glad that I turned on Amazon and stared at it, and then I watched it because it was totally worth it. And that thing is Shin Godzilla. So, for those of you who don't know, Shin Godzilla was directed, was I think released in two thousand, late 2016 or so. We got it in 2017, and it's unique for a couple reasons, and we'll get to them as we go through this here. But the first and kind of most prominent reason it's unique is that it's directed by Neon Genesis Evangelion director and famed kind of former cultist Hideki Anno. And I will, I will make no bones about it and say that every time I watch Evangelion, I tend to get bored. And part of it's because of the kind of... The the extreme emotional tone of the show tends to... be so extreme that it becomes monotonous to me. And uh, I've seen other Hidekiano stuff, and I've liked it just fine. But... I think he really outdid himself on this particular outing, Shin Godzilla. So, there are two main reasons for that. The first reason is that a lot of his monotonous, kind of obsessive, for lack of a better term, otaku-esque focuses in this movie are perfect for what it is. He had this this obsession with the inner workings of the Japanese government. And 
if you're not Japanese, as I'm not, the Japanese government kind of seems as like this impenetrable, immovable force. But if you if you've seen anything like the ghost in, like the ghost in the shell standalone complex or really ghost in the shell or the ghost in the shell movies you start to get an idea of like how the government how the government of Japan functions in a kind of fantasy scenario way that helps you a lot when watch, watching this movie you understand that there's ministers for everything instead of secretaries. Like, here we have a secretary of defense, there they have a minister of defense. And the prime minister is the top of that ladder. And... But what you also get is you get that there's a lot of, like, favor-doing and formality and, like, what you're supposed to do. Um, a good... A good American example of this is... Uh, I think it was last week's Madam Secretary. Yes, I watch American soap opera E-TV. Um, but there was a scene where a... where one character goes to, uh, like, a new side episodic character they introduced for that show. And they go, I'm sorry, but this person won't be able to join you. And the the setup of Madam Secretary is that you're following the Secretary of State. You're basically following a fantasy version of Hillary Clinton and her staff. And this is one of her staff members going to the support department of the, going to the support wing of the State Department and saying, like, you know, this person won't be able to join you. They they apologize, and the other person says, then I'll be expecting a big bottle of, I'll be expecting a really nice bottle of scotch from them, and the kind of main side character says, but not too big, and then the other character finish off, finishes off his sentence and says, because it's the, because it's the note that matters. And that's kind of form that kind of formal informality and understanding of well these are just things that you do and the way and the way that you apologize these are the manners of working in the state department of working in the government is very much at the core of the way the Japanese government is operating before kind of almost the mid almost two thirds of the way through Shin Godzilla. It's a very regimented, very kind of patient, very rule based system. So when the so I'm gonna get into spoilers. So if you if you haven't seen this movie and you've been like how the hell do I watch that movie? I know Funimation put it out, but I can't, like, I can't see it anywhere. It, like I said in the intro, it is totally available on Amazon for, like, four bucks. It's a, it's a good four bucks spend. It is totally entertaining. Um, it is stunningly shot. But, uh, so, spoilers, basically. Uh, 
so the deal with the government at the beginning of this movie is almost comical. There's this constant runaround of these characters who are of A, the Prime Minister, who is a actually pretty well-known Japanese character actor, and a bunch of other different a bunch of other different ministers of various things like like um like the minister of science the minister of defense notably played by beat takeshi who is like just beat who is slightly less beat takeshi than the beat takeshi who showed up for who showed up and gave no fucks for ghosts and shell um but still very much beat takeshi um and a bunch of other different kinds of side players and different people who run who run different parts of Japanese society. And when the movie opens up, they take a really logical they take a really logical approach to a illogical situation. So the way this movie opens up is basically an equivalent of the Holland Tunnel springs a leak, and we are we as the audience are shown the leak as a crack in a crack in the a huge crack in the ceiling as the tunnel opens up while someone's driving, and basically blood rains from the sky, <laughs> rains from the ceiling, and freaks people out. Now, before we even get to that, though, you're shown this, like, leisure vessel that's been abandoned that's just, like, waiting in the middle of the harbor. And they show they show up at the harbor. The, co- the Japanese Coast Guard shows up at the harbor, and they're greeted by an empty boat, which they find odd. And then they see a map of the seafloor, which makes sense. It's a boat. You need to know that stuff. Um, I, I know more than a little about sailing, um, but they're also agreed by a pair of shoes, a folder, and an origami crane. And they're all like, huh, this is odd. Let's take this folder. But this is odd. So then, now we skip back to the tunnel and between the tunnel between the scene in the boat which is actually the first scene in the movie and the tunnel we've gone through a couple different kinds of cameras which is kind of this first kind of this movie's first visual trick of letting you of showing but not of doing storytelling but through showing instead of telling, which is really a kind of masterful stroke of the, masterful stroke on this movie's behalf. So through all the different camera camera types that we see, we see that we're seeing multiple perspectives. You see, I think the for the first camera view you see is just a normal kind of third per, third person floating goat camera perspective of a movie the second camera view you see is a 
camcorder of the Coast Guard investigation team. And then you see, when you see the blood coming from the top of the tunnel, you see it as, I believe you see it as a iPhone video. And then you switch back to the kind of cinematic camera. And then at some point, when A, you're talking to everybody's talking to each other in the government building conference room and B you are talk and B you see you're seeing things that are the movie that are just the movie as itself and less raw and used to give you kind of complete context instead of just bits and pieces of context that contribute to like the whole you the audience understanding a more importantly more than the characters all the character in the movies all the main characters in this movie can but be having just enough pieces of the puzzle to put it together before they do this all leads to the i this all leads to you knowing more than the prime minister or any of the ministers that he's talking to in a boardroom do so you knowing more than they do rather if i didn't make that clear i probably didn't i have a bad habit of that but What's interesting is that they, if you know just little enough to make anything else they propose possible, but also, you know, you signed up for a Godzilla movie, so you know exactly what it is. So they run through a kind of small deck of possibilities, one being a new volcano, the other being an existing volcano basically springing a leak um, because they are on the Pacific Rim and Mount Fuji is actually an active volcano, so that's a definite possibility. Not a likelihood, but a possibility. And the entire time you as the viewer are going back to no, I don't think a leak makes blood come out of it. That's not how Earth works. So they start to kind of there are moments when they erupt into a small frenzy but no but nobody breaks composure nobody breaks the kind of status quo in this movie for a very 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 long time the the general public is shown freaking out in this movie but most of the Japanese cabinet, with the exception of a few what I like to call Nicolas Cage-style mega-acting moments, don't have freakouts. They they take everything very methodically, very calmly, partially because they believe, rightfully so, if they panic, then everything goes to shit, and that is true. But they also adhere to kind of the regulation of government so strictly 
that, um, and remember, I said spoiler alert, so if you're listening to this and you want to watch Shin Godzilla, I strongly recommend that you just go watch it. By the end of the movie, they are about 24 hours away from having a bomb dropped on Tokyo. And the way that it gets there is that while they are trying everything they can to stop it, first they... The first phase of them dealing with it is really just Godzilla coming to coming ashore after they first realize, okay, this isn't a geological event, and then they real and then they believed it's a new kind of whale or something, which was not also clearly not true, and then it comes ashore. And once it comes ashore, we see an important point about Godzilla. Godzilla, in past Godzilla movies, especially the Godzilla vs. series, has had a goal somehow, or he is vindictive. He's just a a thing unleashed upon the world in this movie. They get, later on, they get to the point, they get to who made Godzilla, and it was actually a former professor who, whose boat that belonged to, who made Godzilla and, like, set him onto the world as a result of, I think, American experimentation and because his wife died of radiation poisoning and he had no, like, he had no recourse for it. So it was like a last spiteful act before I think he committed suicide. I think that's what the boat with the shoes was all about. But other than that, they don't get into any motives that like Godzilla the creature has. He is he is a at best someone's giant house pet they unleashed. He is at worst someone's giant house giant house pet they unleashed upon the world and at best he's just a he's a natural disaster he is like an earthquake tsunami and cyclone all rolled into one <laughs> oh and a fire let's not forget about the fire so as they're trying to deal with Godzilla and as they're simultaneously managing getting people out of its way so people so people are not harmed now he's just he's basically like swaggering through the streets of like outlier Tokyo and they're 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 trying to keep their shit together they're trying to deal with it and with this you're there are pepper shots of a of a up close Godzilla, which at this point is, uh, it's goofy. It's goofy in a way that you expect, having seen in a way that you don't quite expect having seen other Godzilla movies, but it's it's just goofy enough to feel real, and it it, it introduces this idea that you it doesn't. 
it doesn't matter the way it looks. It matters what it's doing. So you get those up-close shots where he's, like, brushing cards aside and his, like, gills are belching blood all over the streets. And then you get these really great shots that are wide shots of where he is or what he's doing. And you see that it's still rel- that the problem's still relatively contained. You see, like, people going to school. You see people... You see like, empty pools, and you think, oh, this is, and it makes you think for a brief second, this is over there, I don't need to worry about this, I don't need to be involved in this, this can be contained, this isn't a problem, it might be a problem later, but, eh, that's later, and that Is a thing that you feel in all the boardrooms and meetings about the Godzilla issue in the Japanese government. Because once again, this is a this is a film about the Japanese government slipped in, disguised as a film about Godzilla. So you get this feeling that they all think. Like, oh, there's still time to deal with this. This is still manageable. This is manageable by the normal, like, realm of society, of Japanese society, of polite Japanese society. But a little bit after that happens, he evolves right in the middle of the street very quickly. And that's the first moment where everybody goes, oh, shit. This might be an issue. So then they start taking more a more defensive stance. And they are less... They are less confident, confident that the world is... They are less confident that they, that they themselves and that... And that Japan as a whole and the world as a whole can make it out of this mess. And after that, before that, I believe there's a press conference where they, before they know what that it is Godzilla, they just think it's some sort of sea creature. They go out and they say, hey, they, they have a press conference in which they have the Prime Minister puts on his, like, public service uniform, which is a thing in Japan. They wear, like, jumpsuits. Wear these blue jumpsuits. Um, and they hold a press conference, and they say, there's no, there's no reason to be alarmed. We don't think it'll come, come on land. And as soon as they say that, it shows up on... It's, like, just, like, barrels into a narrow river, and it's, like fucks up people's boats and comes on land, no questions asked. But now, flip back to now, it's started walking on two legs and is now a upright toddler-esque problem. A toddler the size of a six-story building. And it and here you see it, like, roar for the first time. And in your head, you're like, oh, 
that's its fancy photon laser breath. That that's what it will do later on when it do, when it does that. But after that, it kind of goes away, and they they have a great they have great moments in this movie where Godzilla is not present is not present, and the first time. But they make it clear that, oh, Godzilla's coming back. And it's, and Godzilla will return in, like, a, a couple days, like, three days or two days or a couple hours. So, at this point, Godzilla goes away. And that's when they figure out, like, oh, Godzilla basically has a nuclear reactor in him. Which is a really funny scene. There's a character who's introduced and she's way less by the book she generally sits in the corner and just like spouts truth hard truths about what the hell's happening um and what the hell godzilla is she's the one who is like no this isn't a whale it's got like a definable rib cage and like arms and legs screw you people um but she she proposed the idea of like it's a ther- it's a thermonuclear like being, and everybody's like, that's that has to be horseshit. There's no way that can be right. That's not that's not possible. And then, like a couple scenes later, you see somebody freak. You see this guy freak out in that moment. In that moment I mentioned before of Nicholas Cage mega acting, he takes his laptop and like runs through the task force then runs back with another guy with another guy running behind him and he's like check it out Godzilla is a thermonuclear being and then he looks at the he looks at the um girl who said that to begin with he goes I'm sorry <laughs> just moves on it's a it's a really funny comedic little comedic moment and just like oh we were all wrong you were right we should have listened to you like a half hour ago and then Godzilla shows back up and now he's the first two times you see Godzilla the first three times you see Godzilla he goes from like this like basically weird she slug thing to like almost like a toddler dinosaur thing the second in like the second two forms now he's in what they call his fourth form and he is full-on giant tail and all godzilla and he has like shown up on shore again he's just walking he's just walking nobody knows freaking where they think they have a good idea they think he's going towards a nuclear reactor for whatever reason but he's just walking Not pay, not paying anybody any particular mind. Like, if you are not in his path, it, it, he will not step on you. <laughs> but he's just walking. And all this time, the evacuations are going, like, constantly. And they're constantly evacuating people. But, of course, Tokyo's a huge city with a lot of people. There are, like teens in the streets 
they have a great shot of like a shopping arcade and just Godzilla's tail swings over it. He's not there. His tail is. And everybody's just like, oh, shit. That's that Godzilla thing. Oh, well, let's go get sandwiches. Which is this... A thing about Japanese society, a thing about modern Japanese society that is very true is that it has a kind of duality to it. From the way I see it, at least. Everyone is very focused on their part their part of the whole as in terms of professional life but because of social media because of the way the world is there's an individuality to people and there's a tendency to ignore things that aren't our problem that's just humanity right now it's how america got itself in the mess it's in it's how Britain, it's how England got itself in the met in the mess it's in is people who decided people a certain set of people decided that the problems of another set of people weren't there, so they weren't going to pay attention to it, and then those problems drifted into everybody's lives in one way or another, and so you just see these. Like, you see high school kids like, oh, shit. And then you cut back, I think, to the government office. And now they're like, it's in its fourth form. We need to do something. And this is where they say they have, like, missile launches, the first of which they abort because there's a service worker getting an old lady out, evacuating an old lady. And... This is important because this this sets up what ultimately gets them to make the right decisions down the line, which is that everybody here, regardless of whether or not they have issues making decisions, like the entirety of the government, or they whatever they want to do with Godzilla, there are people saying capture it and like study it which is of course impo- at when you when they first pose that it feels impossible but they all want to they all want to save not just the country they want to save the people in the country and the, and protecting people is the most important so if you get the chance to fire on Godzilla and there is someone, there's one or two people in the way, it's not worth it, because it's it's not worth adding to the casualties that Godzilla is causing, simply by ignoring people, one or two people to keep dozens or millions of people safe, that, that's not a trade that the, that the government in this movie is willing to make. But what happens... So that first attack is called off, and then they get the chance of the second attack, and it, it, does, no, it, does, it does no damage, and he doesn't respond. 
which at least did that, because later on in the movie he responds in kind, and it does not go well for them. Um, so at this point they start exploring the option of getting American help. And you're introduced, I believe, to Kayako, who is the a Japanese-American who's the daughter of a senator who uses her, like, pull in the world to get a meeting about this thing. And here's where they get the name Godzilla. The uh, American researchers come up with... Um, Ameri- American people come up with the code name, and the Japanese name is proposed as Gojira. As Gojira. And I think it's interesting that the film explicitly from the explicitly says this thing's name is Godzilla proper, but the Japanese name is Gojira because Godzilla is how the majority of people will probably know the the like phenomenon of giant lizard thing terrorizes Tokyo. Um, so I think there's a really interesting deference to American iconography there, which is fascinating considering this movie's relationship with America going forward. So, first off, they have Americans go in and they bomb the shit out of it, basically. And Godzilla responds this time. And he responds with, like, his photon, his, like, photon breath, or whatever they call it. And they have, they have the best, probably fairly accurate, like, approximation of American military in this. Because one plane gets struck, struck down, they're like, payback time. And then the other plane gets struck down. And it's seen that everything is ineffective against this thing. And so now they're just, the entire JSDF, Japan Self-Defense Force, is mobilized against this thing to, to light it the fuck up. And it just, that does not go well for them. They get photon breast. They get, like, crushed. It's not not a good look. It's not a good look. And at this point, Godzilla is massive, and they're evacuating people underground or to evacuation shelters. They're getting everybody out of the way. And then the government needs to evacuate. And they think, okay, we need to evacuate. They have very soulful, we'll meet you at the other end of the of the tunnel, Prime Minister. You need to go in a helicopter moments. And then they launch another attack at Godzilla. The they have they the Americans help them launch another attack at Godzilla. And Actually, the the first time was they dropped bombs on it. It was the Japanese, and that went fairly well, but didn't do a whole lot. 
the second time is the payback attack when they use like stealth fancy Blackhawks stealth fighters that the Americans the Americans use Blackhawks stealth fighters to bomb the shit out of the thing and that triggers its late it's like photon breath and its photon breath destroys Tokyo not only destroys Tokyo but in like a random just the ran- the random path it takes as the helicopter containing the prime minister is taking off, it just gets wiped off the face of the earth. Like nothing's nothing. And that's the moment when everybody's like, oh, we're screwed. But even after they're screwed, they're kind of like, feeling that they need to keep the composure doesn't it overwhelms them for a second and then they like calm down they start figuring out a like I forget what they call it I think they call it like a freezing option where basically they're gonna freeze Godzilla solid and they start figuring that out but then all of a sudden the Americans who, this entire movie, and I kept this out for a reason, the entire movie, whenever they get off the call with the, with the president or they get off the call with American officials or they deal with Ukako, I think her name is, they say, they certainly, their like second, their first comment is, Wow, they certainly make some harsh demands. How are we supposed to deal with this? And then somebody says, but I guess we have to. And that's a running theme for much of the movie. But then the Americans suggest dropping a thermonuclear, shooting a thermonuclear warhead at Godzilla. Like just saying, okay, screw it. This thing is huge. After it finishes with. Japan, it's coming for somebody else, plus we kind of had a hand up in making it, so we want to get rid of it as quickly as possible before people, more people figure that out. And so, very quickly you get to the kind of headspace that the first Godzilla, Actually, by now you, you're in the headspace of the first Godzilla movie. The very first one, where Godzilla was the result of the basically American nuclear bomb on Japan in some way. Um, he is basically an irradiated fish monster in the very first Godzilla. The, I believe it's 1984 Godzilla. And you realize that Japan is <clears throat> being forced to allow itself to be nu- nuked again, only this time in Tokyo in 2016 or whatever, or in 2016. And that's a big deal. Everybody's, Everybody is like... In the movie, including Utako, everyone around her, the prime minister basically says, "We have no control over this. We can't figure out how to deal with this. 
but we don't want them to deal with it because that is untenable. And it's for this portion of the movie, it strikes a very interesting tone of there's nothing we can do. We've resigned ourselves to it. Yes, we have a backup plan, but that backup plan is honestly bullshit. It 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 it, it feel it feels like a fantasy when they're all coming up with it until they do it, and then Utako. Interesting is the interestingly enough, it's the kind of narrative, like narrative tipping of the scale because she tells her father, like, "Look, I'm not abandoning this. It's it, I'm not going to I'm not going to willingly say yes." nuke the the country where my grand where my grandma lived through the first nuclear bomb and they and they show they show historical at that point they show historical images of japan after uh, after nukes were dropped on it in world war two <clears throat> Just just to make sure that you get the visual message of no, this is what this looks like. this is what this looks like. This is the result of this. And the whole time they've been coming up with this like hyper cooling strategy. They've been getting like coolant from all over the world, all over the country, and like cooling coolant administration cranes and insane shit. And then they Decide. Okay, we're gonna administer this plan first while he's still sleeping, and then later he's going to wake up. Obviously, so what they do to wake him up is they shoot bullet trains at him, <laughs> essentially, because he's like stepped on like a rail track, so they just send trains at him. <laughs> They're like fire the trains and like the trains come shooting full speed down the track and they wake him up and then they demolish buildings on top of him because those are the only things tall enough to like get the drop on him and then once he falls over and he's like mildly covered in debris they rush up with trucks stick basically hose they basically perform Novocaine dental work on him multiple times until his body breaks down. And through that, they they win the day eventually. But the only way it happened is they run they run out of options following the rules. So they there's a scene in before they hatch their Godzilla freezing plan where the Prime Minister says yeah, it's about time we just did what we wanted because there's a clock and if they don't get it figured out by the clock America's launching the nuclear missile and there's nothing they can do about it. So it become it becomes a situation where damned if you don't, but if you do, maybe not. There's an, 
there's not a not insignificant chance that you could succeed. So they, by administering this plan, they freeze Godzilla solid and they win the day. And the movie ends up being all about there's a time to follow procedure and rules and all of those, like, big deal things, but there's also a time when you need to realize the rules are get are keeping you from getting stuff done. <laughs> and that's a big... That's a big deal f- for a Japanese person. I started watching because everybody's been talking about it, that uh, Netflix original anime from Sanrio, Agresco. And Agresco is all about dealing with the fact that you have to follow the rules, that there is a way to think, that there is a way to Japanese company life that you're trained up for and that if you're... that if you go through Japanese school systems, your thought is admirable. And if you decide it's not admirable, you become people see you as a hooligan and you end up like living on the fringes of society but as a result it leaves you with this kind of crushing like emptiness and anger in Agresco's case and speaking just from like a personal perspective I I identify with that a lot because I spent a long, long time trying to hustle at it, trying to hustle at be at doing, like re and did have some and did have a decent amount of success, hustling and doing freelance design work for many years. I now work for my family business because I I got tired of people telling me, well, this is how it is, this is how it goes, and I looked for a way out of, this is how it is, this is how it goes, because usually the first sign that something's not okay is that everybody tells you it's okay. And in the case of Godzilla, it is Everybody tell everybody says this is the way. Well, this is just how it's done, and that should that was ultimately the first sign of, well, that's not going to get it done. There's a character who, what who basically kicked off everybody saying everything all the time by saying let's get it done, and in the beginning he means let's. Let's sign the paperwork, approve the bills, whatever. But in the end, he says, when he says it, it means let's get it done. And that means let's push aside all the stupidness and bullshit and save ourselves, our country, and probably the world. And that's a big deal because that... That is him acknowledging, okay, we screwed up. We, we we screwed this up. If we had gotten our heads out of our asses earlier, we could have dealt with him when he was 
like a swaggering worm thing with two little hind legs. But we didn't, and now we need to scrap and rebuild. And we need to... We need to destroy what is being destroyed so we can basically stop the wrecking ball. And we will rebuild from that. And they have a moment in the movie after Godzilla defeated and they say, well, the whole cabinet's going to resign in mass and everybody who's left is going to resign in mass and the current prime the current acting prime minister is going to step down and one of the characters just says why and he goes because scrap and rebuild we we're going to have to rebuild this country and that includes the government that people who people who understand that this happened and who are not too set in their ways will serve everyone better. And that, uh, it, it is a really stunning movie for anybody who understands anything about the way Japanese society interacts with its own people and with the world, and anybody who has the slightest interaction with anybody who is natively Japanese, because there's a... There's a politeness to... that... to Japanese people that only falls away in moments of extreme closeness to another person it is it is kind of almost impressive but all of that all of those rules and all of those trappings keep are are meant a to honor people and to respect people but they're also meant to help you get along and help you deal with society and set up and set up rules for what no one could be expected to deal with the, there are the, the and this is true in any in any country it's basically true of adulthood you and it's it's falling away more now than it has but there are rules there are like the way things are supposed to be for example you're supposed to get a 9 to 5 job you work until you're about 65 75 and then you retire and then you live the rest of your life the way you want to yes you take a vacation or two you start a family but there's a path laid out for most people. And there's there's always a path laid out for most people. So, like, if you go to business school, that may be your path. If you go to art school, the idea is that you starve a little at first, then you make a little bit more money, and then you work your way up the ladder. 
but at some point that becomes untenable and it's it's a matter of time before everybody decides th- this isn't working we need to figure out something else to do we need to figure out a way to survive whatever's happening at all costs and the the characters who figure who figure out how to stop Godzilla have a very all costs at all costs mentality but the important thing is that they make sure that they're still alive at the end of it because in the american in the american idea it would just let's drop a nuke a nuke will fix this it's a very like push button fix it strategy but they they don't have to live with it just the way that you can say to somebody well just go get a job yeah but you don't have to do it yourself that person has to go do it go attempt to get a job and that that is way easier said than done even in the best economy in a good economy job markets are competitive there are tons of people applying for everything there are but there are also tons of jobs so in a good market it's a 1 to 100 chance in a bad market it's a 0 out of 0 chance because there are no jobs it's a damned if you do damned if you don't situation and th- this might seem far fetched but it's it's that there are rules for how to engage with everything mindset that this movie sets up in the in the beginning and let's fall away in at the end that makes you really like pause and think about the rules that surround everything that are just pointless i when i was in in one of my more struggling phases before i just called a spade a spade and said maybe that maybe this isn't my thing i had this fantasy about going into a job interview and in like a leather jacket ripped jeans and a punk rock t-shirt dropping my resume on dropping my resume on the table lighting it on fire and just being like you want to hire me hire me whatever and walking out and getting the job what's funny is in just about every interview where I had some sort of confrontation, had some sort of disagreement with the people I was interviewing, I was interviewing with, I ended up getting the job. And that's not because, and I don't think that's because I was being cruel <clears throat> or being mean. I think it's because. <clears throat> when you worry about when you go into something worrying about like all the rules and all the mishigas essentially you forget what's important because what's important isn't like the rules of engagement or whatever what's important is can you get the job done can you can you bring something to anything that 
is valuable. So the same is true in relationships in life. Does it matter that you send your girlfriend a Valentine Day gift? In the grand scheme of things, no. Everybody dies. What matters is that you remember her day to day, every day. And Valentine's Day is a greeting card holiday cooked up by Hallmark. That is not wrong. But what's also true is that it's a day when you're told, remember this. Remember remember each other for a brief second. Stop texting your girl stop texting your girlfriend that you'll be late and show up on time and she'll show up on time and the two of you will exist together in space for a moment and be with each other instead of next to each other as you're with the world. And all of that stuff is important. The, the rules and trappings and manners and all of those things are meant to be amplifiers of that, not substitutes for that. And on that note, I highly encourage you to go watch Shin Godzilla. You can rent it on Amazon. Um, it's I'm told that and so if you go and you see previews of this movie, you see these big red kill-a-kill title blocks for everybody. Those don't exist. I'm told that they don't exist anywhere. It's not just the Amazon version. They're just not anywhere. Um, so I guess we are left out at, of that kind of like awesomeness, that visual awesomeness. But if you are interested in watching a really stunning visual feast of a movie, then go watch the thing. But I hope you like this podcast. It's probably a little shorter because, like I said, I don't have as much time. Um, but I have been Alex. This has been Lunchbox Radio, and I will talk at you next time.